We began this idea of going to the movies a number of years ago in January for a couple of reasons. One, it was to, quite frankly, have something exciting to look forward to after Christmas. It was something to be able to offer, an easy way to invite folks to join with us, both in an activity and perhaps in worship. There was also fundamentally an emphasis on this very simple truth. We can find lessons of faith, experiences of God, and experience church far outside traditional worship in the walls of the building. And as we've gone through these several years now of doing this, we've seen movies of all kinds, and in them found something that would speak to us in the community of faith, that would touch our hearts, see something from another perspective. As we get ready to share a few thoughts on the conversation from the movie Welcome to Marwin, I'm going to invite Peggy to join me in sharing the scripture that came to me following our seeing this movie on Tuesday night. It is found in Luke uh, chapter 7 and is one of those most amazing stories of Jesus' encounter with someone a little bit different. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet, and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owned 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Peggy. Would you join with me in prayer? We ask, Lord, for your kingdom 
the one that you've invited us into, the one you've invited us to be a part of, the one you've invited us to help build in this world. We ask that this kingdom might begin to take shape in our presence today, and that as we see this kingdom of God lived out in this world, we might discover the places that will take us to, the people it will allow us the privilege of partnering with and discover that even in the kingdom of God, we will be challenged and stretched, and that's good news. In Christ's name, amen. Just about every Saturday, there was a guy who would go to the same barber. He had done it for years. They knew each other going back a long time. They had shared many stories as he sat in the chair and got his hair cut. Well, one Saturday, he went to his barber, and as he's sitting in the chair, he announced that next week he was going to be taking a trip to Rome. And the barber asked, what airline will you be taking to fly over? The man said, Delta. The barber yelled, Delta, are you crazy? That's the worst airline in the world. They have uncomfortable seats, terrible food. I can't believe you're flying Delta. Where are you going to stay when you're in Rome? I'm going to stay at the Grand Hotel. You're not, tell- you're not at the Grand Hotel. You're in Rome. You're staying in that flea-bitten trap. They have bed bugs. I was there once. The mattress is hard. Yeah, I hate it there. Well, the man said, while I'm there, we're excited. We're going to go see the Pope. You're going to go see the Pope? Are you an idiot? Do you realize there'll be 300,000 people there seeing the Pope? What what do you want to stand in that crowd for? It'll probably rain on you. This is ridiculous. A few weeks later, the man came back and sat in the chair and turned to his barber and said, you know what? We took the Delta flight and it was fantastic. We even got upgraded to first class. They treated us fantastically. Our luggage arrived on time. It was great. And the Grand Hotel, I'm telling you what, never had such better service. Slept the best in my life. Would have stayed there every day for, until my death if I had the opportunity. Did you get to see the Pope? Right, let me tell you, we got to see the Pope. He, this close, I was this close to the Pope. He was standing right there, and he looked up at me, and he spoke to me. Well, what did he say? He said, where'd you get such a lousy haircut? Now, none of this man's experience of the trip matched the expectations as Barber placed upon it. And sometimes our expect- expectations of what to expect do not match the truth of what we experience. Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to come to his house for a meal. Maybe he just wanted a chance to get to know Jesus better. Maybe he wanted to have the opportunity with his friends to learn a little of the second level of what Jesus was saying and teaching Maybe he wanted to show off to his friends he could get somebody as popular as Jesus to stop by his house. We're not really sure why he asked, but obviously it was a big deal for him to have Jesus come to his house and to share in this meal and to have the dialogue. It was something you couldn't tell he was really looking forward to. Whatever expectations he went into the evening with, though, they did not match what occurred. Because while they sat there at meal... Uninvited, a woman came into the room. She was a city woman. That's what they called her. She was a sinner. We don't know her name, but we know what she was called. And she entered into the room uninvited. 
Her very presence was offensive to Simon the Pharisee because she was uninvited. She crashed his party because she was a woman, and quite frankly, women weren't allowed at the table in that day at that time. She was a sinner, fill in the blank for what that means. She was breaking all manner of cultural and religious law. And even more than that, the way she was when she came into the room, her physicality offended him. Her touchy, her feely, her kissing of Jesus. But maybe what offended him the most was the way in which Jesus accepted her. He didn't push her away. He didn't condemn her. He didn't ask for help with her. He allowed this woman to continue to show him what seemed to be inappropriate affection. It was all completely foreign to what the man wanted the evening to be like. It's not recorded in Scripture saying anything. But have you ever been with somebody who said volumes without saying a word? Everyone in the room knew that Simon the Pharisee was disgusted. It wasn't lost on Jesus either. And so he turned to Simon and told him a story. You just heard it read to you. Two debtors of different levels of indebtedness are forgiven their debt. Who do you think is more grateful? Well, the one who had the larger debt wiped off the books. That's the answer. It's the correct answer that Simon gives when asked by Jesus. And then he turns to this woman. Her actions that were so offensive that others wanted her just to leave. But what Jesus saw in her was not inappropriate action. What Jesus saw in her was gratitude. What Jesus saw in her was what he calls great love. I don't know what she was forgiven for. Of course, everyone's going to say, well, she was a sinner. Well, get in line. I don't know what their previous relationship was. We can guess at that. The fact is is that Jesus saw this woman acting in such a bizarre way, but it was not her bizarre behavior that caught his attention or kept it there. It was Jesus' ability to go at a deeper level and see in this woman something beyond her actions. It was the reason for them. This woman has shown me great love. And if you have somebody in the world who's willing to show you great love, is it not a gift worth treasuring? Maybe she was a bit inappropriate. Maybe she was odd. Maybe she broke cultural tradition. Maybe she was that person they all said she was. You know, put her in the box. Use words to put her in a box. You know how to use words to put people in a box? She's a city girl. She's a sinner. What other words have you heard her use to make sure you classified people without even knowing their name? We don't know her name, because no one thought it was important enough to know her name, just her classifications, except for Jesus. His acceptance of her, his acceptance of her love, his acceptance of her even in the midst of her inappropriateness was so radically different than everyone else. Because while everybody else used words to box her in, Jesus saw her as someone who was forgiven, who was loving, who was worthy. 
and acceptable. How could one person be seen so differently by people who are in the same room on the same night? How could some see her with all these categories of judgment and another one see her as one who is showing great love? It is simply this. It's because Jesus saw her with a heart of grace and love and Jesus was willing to understand that she had a story deeper than the words used to describe her. And Jesus always seemed to see people that way. It was perhaps the most radical thing about Jesus and probably the thing that got him in the most trouble. He was unwilling simply to take people at the face value or the name commodity that people said of them. He looked them in the eye and understood, wanted to know their story. This past week, I went with many of you to go see the movie Welcome to Marwin. I'm going to be confessional with a few other things going on in my life. I did not see Marwin until Tuesday night with you. How many of you were at the theater with me? Okay. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. So I go into the theater, and folks, there are places where I'm comfortable sitting in the theater and people and where I'm not. You didn't leave me any of those spots. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. So I went down front and I sat. And so I felt really conspicuous because clearly I'm where everybody in the room could see me. How many of you looked at me at least once during the movie? Go ahead. And conf- yes, I felt your eyes. And it was good because I was taking notes from the light off the screen. I took 12 pages of notes. And because I could not see your reaction and there was no way in the world I was going to turn around and look at all of you, I listened. And my guess is there were a few moments that some of you were uncomfortable with this movie. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Some some amen more than others. (laughs) There are times the movie made people uncomfortable. It wasn't a nice movie. It wasn't, all right, it wasn't a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Don't tell me that hasn't reset your understanding of movies, right? I mean, how many, come on. It was raw. It was messy. It was sometimes shocking. It was... It was an awful lot like maybe the experience that night long ago where you went to go see a movie with friends, have some popcorn, and sat down, and all of a sudden had in your face the challenges this movie presented. For those of you who didn't see the movie, let me just summarize quickly right off the website. When a devastating attack shatters Mark Hogan camp and wipes away all his memories, no one expected recovery Putting pieces together from his old and new life, Mark meticulously creates a wonderful town where he can heal and be heroic. This fantasy town is the way he dealt with his PTSD by building a fantasy world where evil always seems to be defeated, even if it does keep coming back. A series of women who played a critical role in his healing were represented by dolls who became his protectors and saviors in this fantasy world. The movie allows us to watch Mark move between real life and fantasy as he moves towards healing. 
And the truth is, it did make us uncomfortable at times to watch it, and sometimes might have been confusing. Some have talked to me since that night about their discomfort with the violence. Even though it was dolls being blown up, they were blown up horrifically. Some were bothered by the level of sexuality that Mark attached to these women of Marwin. It wasn't always comfortable. Messy, confusing. As I watched it, I thought to myself, there are some folk in this room wishing it was already the night we were watching Mary Poppins instead of this. (laughs) Yes? But that maybe was when the moment came that I understood the point of this movie, at least for today. I actually had four different sermons from this movie I could have gone with. You can tell me later if I picked the right one. You see, I think that sometimes we in the church, or maybe sometimes it's just me, I want my life to be neat. I want it to be comfortable. And I'm willing to go to the edges, but only so far to the edges. I don't want to have to deal with a lot of the stuff in the world that might actually exist in the world because I want to create my own world. I want to create my own perspective of what's going on in the world. I want to be able to go as far as I want to go, but no further to the messy part of life. I want, actually, in my prayer life, to pray, Lord, keep that stuff from me. Do you know what I'm saying, church? The problem with that is that the world is messy. The problem with that understanding is the fact that people are messy. And we can choose to be like Simon the Pharisee who wants to just have a nice meal, (laughs) you know, where everything's fine and we have a great conversation and we go home and we don't have to have anything bother us or push us to a new understanding. I think Simon the Pharisee reflects an awful lot of what I've experienced of church in my life. The problem with that is that you keep saying to women and men who are messy, you're not welcome here. Or at least could you get cleaned up a little bit before you come in? And maybe what Simon needed to learn and maybe what we need to learn is that every time we in our attempt to try to make the world a little neater, a little more perfect, and make our church a little more sanitized, while we are keeping out that kind of woman, we are also keeping out Jesus. Jesus was comfortable with messy people. Throughout the scriptures, it, didn't take, it took me longer to sort which one I wanted to talk about than to find one, which story where Jesus was dealing with a person who the world would have in his day called messy. And the reason he was comfortable with them is because he never looked at their idiosyncrasies. He looked at their heart. He looked at their story. He wanted to know who they were. Jesus did not judge people by their differences or their oddities. He saw their truth. In fact, that's probably the good news, right? Because the idea is, in the story, of course, of the Scripture, that it's the woman who's the odd one. But the reality is, in the kingdom of God, it's Simon the Pharisee. 
And in the story, the one who needs to be forgiven most, we oftentimes take that story and think, oh yeah, well even Jesus is recognizing this woman was a far greater sinner than Simon the Pharisee. I'm here to tell you, what about this? What if the one who should have been more grateful is Simon the Pharisee? Because Jesus was willing to accept him too. We look at the movie, and we find it really easy to judge and condemn those who beat Mark in the hate crime. Clearly, they're the evil ones. But I'm here to tell you, every time someone snickers at an odd one or makes a joke or uses words to define and describe others rather than knowing their story and knowing their name and caring about them. We are co-participants with those who raise their feet and stomp people in the ground. And maybe that's why the women of Marwin were so heroic. But maybe that's why Mark was so into them. Because, quite frankly... When he talked about knowing their essence, he knew their heart. He knew their goodness. He knew the fact that they were the ones who were not going to judge him. And for me, the hero in the movie was Roberta. Dare I say, the Christ figure was Roberta, the waitress, the one who was one to go out for sushi with Mark. She knew Mark's story. She knew Mark was different. And yet she still wanted to go out with Mark. And I thought to myself, can I just confess, why would you want to go out with him? I mean, be his friend, but why would you want to go out with somebody like that? And then I went, oh, I'm Simon. We live in a messy world. And we do everything we can to try to represent Christ in this world. We do everything we can to try to grow with Christ in this world. But to do that, it means we've got to be willing to have gatherings where messy people are more than welcome. They're expected. And quite frankly... (laughs) where all of us are willing to confess our fantasies that all of us are not messy people. You're messy. I'm messy. Can we just confess that? And whatever fantasies we're living to try to make sure we don't have to get too real about that with too many people, can we just give them up? Because here in this place... The real behavior that is acceptable is the behavior that allows us to show great love, unconditional love to everyone. Everything else falls short. So messy people. Others who have allowed their fantasies at times to allow them to hide or go down the wrong path or to think that you're not messy, the greatest fantasy of all. 
I invite us all to come into a gathering today to set a norm where nobody will be judged by their oddity. Because in this place, y'all welcome. Because in the kingdom of God, everybody, everybody gets an invitation and a chance to go out for sushi with each other. Thanks be to God.